So good to be here again. I can tell you is that, is that I have the opportunity, it's a blessing from God, and I get to go to a lot of churches all over North America. And I have to say, and it's part of because of the leadership of this church, because of their great love for Jesus, and Pastor Ian and Pastor, uh, Pastor Tina, is in that love for Jesus, it, when, we, when we move into that dynamic and we become unashamedly pursuing uh, his love, is it opens, it opens the door of our hearts and allows the Holy Spirit to take the presence that we all carry and really begin to impact. And I walked in the back room before the pre-service prayer time, and as soon as I walked in the room, I got hit with the glory of God. And so that's the overwhelming. Every time I come here, I'm so thankful, and I give thanks for you always. It reminds me of uh, uh, Ephesians 1, which we're going to pray for in a minute. But it reminds me of every time I come here, I give thanks for this light that's in this area. And, I'll, and, you know, the revival that uh, God stopped me in the middle of a run while we were up visiting my daughter in Niagara Falls, and I came here because God said to come here and tell you that uh, Light City Church or Victory at the time, God was going to move powerfully through this movement. I don't even want to call it a church, but I know you're a church, but it's a movement. It's a move of the Holy Ghost. And unless we have the move of the Holy Ghost, we ain't got nothing. We're not in the time, we're in the time of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't like the Holy Spirit, you don't like Jesus. And if you don't like the Holy Spirit, you're not going to like the Father. And so we're in this time, and I give thanks for you always, but it's, as I was saying, when I came here, and God said he was going to move powerfully. And I believe, I know, because it's been proven out over five years in a church in Selma, Alabama, with what we're going to go into tonight and next Wednesday, is over a five-year period of time, I've been praying, which we're all going to pray for before I start, um, from Ephesians 1.17. And during that time in Selma of five years, where we sold everything, packed up, and went because God said to go. When you move according to the word of the God, then he always blesses obedience. And so one of the things that he blessed me with that is actually immeasurable in terms of um, you can't measure it in finance, you can't measure it in anything, but it's something that I think the church needs to be crying out for all the time. And that's for a spirit of revelation and wisdom. Because revelation and wisdom allows us to walk in a dynamic of our faith that is ordained by God. When we put our foot one in front of the other and keep doing that, there's an element of our faith, it's called mystery. And wisdom and revelation will always allow you to move because when you take the steps, God speaks because he's always blessing this. He doesn't bless this. He can't. And so over a five-year period of time in Selma, Alabama, in a church called Blue Jean, 
the lead pastor, Bob Armstrong. He's a good friend of mine. He's a spirit-filled, pew-jumping, prophesying district court judge. And he's transforming. My wife works for his office, actually, still. And he's transforming through the programs and the grants that Rosemary's writing um, the inner city of Selma with all these different programs and going after. You see, if the enemy can't get them in the womb, he'll go after them right up until, you know, that impressionable age. And so he's doing um, a tremendous work in the power of the Holy Spirit and actually ended up with a two-hour conversation with Randy Clark and... um, now they're going to be doing a healing revival in Birmingham, Alabama, which is 90 miles away. And five years ago, it was not even on the outlook, the landscape. So they're doing that. But anyway, so it's over this period of time, through a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and God really began to open up the scriptures as it relates to the series that I've already taped once, I'm writing a book, and it's called The Medicine of Immortality. And it's a subject that there's a lot of controversy in the church as it relates to it. There are those that view what Ignatius was the one. Ignatius was a bishop in the church, the historic church. If you want to know who Ignatius was, he was the young lad when the disciples were rebuking Jesus for picking up children and blessing them, the first one where he picked up the child, put him on his lap, his name was Ignatius. That blessing, that encounter with Jesus as a young lad ended up bringing him to a place of his purpose being realized, and that being a bishop in the church. And he wrote extensively on what we're going to dive into. And, I'm, and as I have learned, I'm just sharing with you what Holy Spirit taught me out of wisdom and revelation. That all the way through the Old Testament, see, you always need the whole counsel of Scripture. You know, people say that, you know, I just you know, walk around with just the New Testament. You're missing God. He's all over the Old Testament, as we'll see. And so we're going to take a look at where prophetically, declaration after declaration out of the love of Father for us, his desire, when we walked away, when we told him to go take a hike, he was relentlessly pursuing us. And as we'll see, as we go through this, is that we'll get to this culmination where Jesus says to the 12 and where Jesus says to us every time we come to the place, I earnestly desired to share this meal with you. So what we're talking about is doesn't belong to a denomination and it doesn't belong to any man. We're talking about the table of the Lord. The table of the Lord belongs to Jesus, and it belongs to everybody who who confesses the name of Jesus. 
It's a place of encounter. Well, Father Mark, okay, so we've got, you know, Christ is in us. Yes. So we've got the Holy Ghost in us. I can close my eyes, pray a prayer, and ascend to the heavenlies. Yes. Does that mean that what Jesus initiated, does that mean that that somehow that's been downgraded? Or is Holy Spirit now breathing on something that thankfully has been preserved in the historic church, but we, on the other side of that, I was raised in the historic church, I was trained in the historic church, but God gave me this message to carry across a river. And so I'm ordained a priest in the Catholic Church, and I'm ordained under Global Awakening because I have a spirit of unity and an anointing on me for unity. And where does it begin? It begins in the place where Jesus said, I earnestly desired to share this meal with you. And so we've walked away, but Jesus is faithful to the end. When we said no, he said yes. And when we said goodbye, he said hello. Always, always pursuing because of great love. And so what we're talking about is what Pastor Ian so prophetically declaring in terms of the kingdom. We're talking about a kingdom meal. It's the kingdom. If you like the kingdom of God, if you want to be in the kingdom of God, then you better like the meal. If you don't like the meal, and you don't want to listen to what's in the Bible, what Jesus said, then I have advice for you. Here's my advice. If you're in argument with God, then my advice to you is this. Give up quick. <laughs> and so it begins. You know, let's take a look. If you have your swords with you, turn to Matthew 13 and 52. Chapter 13 and verse 52. You know, as I began, as the Lord began to open this up, he took me to this scripture. And it says that Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom. Who's a disciple of the kingdom here? Just you? That's not everybody? Every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out of his treasures things new and things old. And so we have a dynamic of relationship because it's a love meal. It's a dynamic of relationship that's been lost because we've argued with what Jesus said it is. It's gotten to the point where it's not even regarded, not even initiated. 
Because as Pastor Ian had said last time he spoke, because of witchcraft. Because we've diminished what Jesus said it is. And so it's been dumbed down in a lot of the area of the body of Christ, and I'm not picking on any denomination. I'm talking about all of us. Where it's been diminished to a point that's almost viewed as chip and dip. Something that gets tagged on the end of a service. And other places where, you know, they get it, and they can't wait to get out, of the, out the door. And so what God is calling, Holy Spirit is breathing on this message. He told me, he said, son, I'm going to take you all over the world preaching this. I said, God, you can do whatever you want to do. And so we're bringing out treasures old and new. So where do we begin? Jesus tells us. In Luke 24, as they were walking on the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection. We're starting here, and we're going to end here next Wednesday. He said, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman had also said. It's Luke 24 and verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning where? With the patriarchs. Beginning with the patriarchs. So revelation, here's a first thing about revelation. You want to understand, you want to know the heartbeat of Papa, you want to understand what Holy Spirit is saying, you need the whole counsel of Scripture. The Old Testament is not old. It's very relevant for today, as we will begin to see. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them, to them the things concerning what? Himself in the scriptures. So where are we going to go, church? We're going to go to the book of Genesis. Now everything that I'm, now, Jesus is true king, priest, and prophet. So that means that you're all, if you love Jesus, if you profess him as Lord and Savior, and you're hungry for him, guess what that makes you all? A king, a queen, a prophet, a prophetess, and a priest. Peter finally put words to that, 1 Peter 2.9. You're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And so we have what Jesus initiated on with 12. Before he went to glory, he expanded, expanded after Pentecost. That's why I'm ordained on both sides of the cross. 
because he's making of two into one new man. There's only one apostolic grace. Yes, it was conferred on 12, and then it was conferred on everybody. And so prophetically, what we're going to be dealing with here and going through this, and I'm going to try and get through tonight, so bear with me, is we're dealing from what you've been anointed for. It's a prophetic message. So put on your prophetic spirit. And actually, let's pray this right now. Everybody, please stand up. Raise your hands to heaven. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, it's a message of glory. Father's a God of glory. May give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I release that in Jesus' name over everybody here. I say in Jesus' name, hearts be opened. Hearts be open to new truth. Hearts be open to throw away all the religious junk that you've heard all these years. Because we're talking now about the kingdom of God and the kingdom meal. And so seal it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So the Old Testament, if you want to know prophetically, because there's two sides to, the prophe- to prophecy. There's foretelling and there's forthtelling. So everything that's written and why you need the counsel of the Old Testament is because it's foretelling. And without the foretelling, which will always give us foresight, oversight, and insight, without that, you'll mess, you'll miss the message of Matthew 26, 26, when Jesus came to a table. You see, without understanding the foretelling, you'll move and your heart will start to begin to dismiss the richness of what Papa did from day one. What he meant for each and every one of us to enjoy. Yes, we have the presence. Yes, we're anointed with the Holy Ghost. Yes, we can close our eyes, pray a prayer, go right to heaven. But Jesus instituted another place of encounter. And so I don't know about you, I want it all. A bishop once told me, he said, Mark, he said, you got the cookie jar. You found the cookie jar on the counter and it was full of cookies. All the different anointings, the seven spirits of God. If there's eight, I want all eight. (laughs) He said, you found the cookie jar and you ate all the cookies. And so that hunger will always be satisfied, but will always leave you hungry for more. It satisfies, but it leaves you hungry. It's the way the kingdom operates. And so Jesus said, the Father said, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and, and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. Messiah, come forth. Messiah, come forth. Then God said in verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over, over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. We're created in the image of God. Think about that for five minutes. How can we ever be angry with one another? What do you see when you look at somebody? Do you see God? In the image of God, he created him. Who? Adam. And so here we have a covenanting God, desirous of relationship, desirous of expanding the kingdom, desirous of always wanting to share, not because he needs to, because he is, his love. And so he created Adam. And in Adam, he created Within Adam, male and female. So God took and created out of the dust of the ground. Anybody ever wonder why? In Gethsemane, during this week, Jesus had his face in the dirt. Jesus loves dirt because he was in dirt once before. He made you and I. He made Adam. And so, within Adam, male and female, he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea. And we all know the story where he took the rib from the side of Adam and fashioned it into a woman. And so what was one became two. And then the father said, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall become what? One again. So the kingdom was expanding. We were always meant original design. You know what sin is? It's a fracture of original design. Man and woman were always made to walk side by side. That's why you have an apostolic team here. They're flowing in an apostolic anointing because they're flowing in original design. Listen to the magnitude of where we were and where we are. Verse 8 of chapter 2, he says, Then God planted a garden towards the east. He gave him a home to live in. Prophetic word. If you don't have a home, you're going to have a home. God wants everybody to have a home. The devil's been lying that we shouldn't have homes. 
And the devil's been lying that we shouldn't have homes that are paid off. So I'm declaring right now in the name of Jesus and releasing this word, I'm declaring houses, paid off houses for this church in Jesus' name. You know what Eden means? My pleasure. We are the pleasure of God. And we live in his pleasure. In verse 10 it says, a river flowed out of Eden. So we're in a place called pleasure. Husband and wife. Shrouded in glory. A river flowed out of Eden. The name of the first river was Pishon. You know what Pishon means? The river of increase. Where's the river of increase? Out of your belly will flow increase and increase and increase in Jesus' name. First river in the place called my pleasure was a river called increase. And the gold that was in the land was good. The name of the second river was Gihon. You know what Gihon means? Bursting forth. Are you getting a picture of where we were planted? And the third river, Tigris, flows from Assyria. It means fruitfulness. So we were in a place of pleasure, flowing with increase, bursting forth in fruitfulness. Wow. Wow. Indeed, God said, the serpent was more crafty in verse chapter three was more crafty, you have to under, I'm, the reason why I'm doing this is you gotta understand where we fell from, where Jesus has brought us back to, and the kingdom meal he gave us. Because it keeps us in this place. Because where's Eden now? Where's fruitfulness now? Where's the river fruitfulness? Boom, boom, boom. Where's increase? Where is it now? Boom, boom, boom. Where's bursting forth now? Boom. All the rivers are in you. And they flow without limit. Because Eden is us. We are it. My pleasure. And so along comes that crafty serpent. And he lies. So what else is new? Pastor Ian said he has no authority. He's only got one thing. Deception. All I can do is lie to you. And so he lies to Eve. Why does she believe it? So the very thing that he puts forward, that you'll be like God, that you'll like have communion with him, 
that you'll have relationship with him? The very thing she, she already has, he lies and has her believe that she doesn't have it, that there's more. You know why? Because it's the problem. It's why we have a problem in society called fatherlessness. Eve ended up deceived because God gave the instructions to who? How to tend the garden and what to eat and what trees not to eat of, the tree of life. Who'd he give it to? He spoke it to Adam. Adam didn't communicate with his wife and left her vulnerable. He abdicated his responsibility. And so abdication by men. Sorry, guys, I'm a man. So I can preach it myself. Abdication of responsibility by a man leads to fatherlessness, leads to identity crisis, leads to women unaware in houses, as Scripture says. And so it's called stepping up to the plate. Guys, Mark. And communicating. Communicating so our wives and our families won't get picked off. Because if you think he's not interested in picking you off, he will. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. While for me and my household, he ain't going to get his ugly face anywhere near my house. Verse 8, chapter 3. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. Amazing. They hid from the presence of God. Like that really can be done. Oh, Adam, where are you? And so they got really smart. They sewed fig leaves together because they found out they were naked, because the glory that they were walking in went away. Where do designers' clothes come from? The Garden of Eden. They sewed fig leaves together, and we've been doing it ever since. You want to know anything? You just got to go to the creative narrative. You need the whole council of scriptures right there. All you need is the spirit of revelation and wisdom. Say, Holy Spirit, open me up. I want it all. So then it's interesting. I had a brother. 25 years in ministry. I preached this down in Selma. In verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, 
Cursed are you more than all cattle. So God ends up cursing the devil. And then he ends up cursing something else. He curses the ground. And then he gives the first prophetic word in between the two curses. He never cursed us. He didn't curse mankind. Because we aligned ourselves with the liar, we became benefactors of the blessings of the liar. He never cursed us. Ever. I had that brother, man. He, he came up to me afterwards. He said, Mark, I never saw that. So he cursed the devil, cursed the ground, and then he gave a prophetic word. He said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman. And it's not against man and wife. A lot of times it gets translated. It's not against man and woman. You got to read the whole word and I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Who's the woman? Her name is Mary. See, you got to get rid of a lot of, you know, if, if like Mary makes you vibrate, just ask for deliverance. She's the mother of Jesus. Get over it. I'm not saying pray to Mary. I'm not saying do the Hail Marys. But if she makes you the name, her name makes you vibrate, get some deliverance. Go see Jenny. She'll fix you right up. I'll put enmity between you and Mary. Between your seed, devil, your seed of disobedience, and her seed. Who's her seed? He. Jesus. Shall bruise you on the head. He's going to annihilate you. He's going to wipe you out. He's going to make you useless. And you shall bruise him on the heel. Good Friday, we see he got his heel bruised. All the Satan, satanic rituals and stuff that goes on, all the orgies they do, they don't go past Friday. Because God had a plan. It's called resurrection. Only God can bring life from unlife. So yeah, you'll bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. We're crushing people. You need to get up in the morning and go. Start stamping on him. Stop listening to him and start stamping on him in the name of Jesus. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. So he sang to Adam because the ground is now cursed. Not Adam. Adam just aligned himself with the wrong dude. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you'll eat of it all the days of your life. So what did they hide themselves from? With fig leaves. And start a designer label. They hid themselves from the presence of God. So God makes this magnanimous move of glory. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Then he says, both thorns and thistles it shall grow. Before that word was said, there existed no thorns and no thistles. So when God released the word, guess what grew up out of the ground? It's not part of creation. It's part of the fall. God said creation was what? Good. So he said, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. You will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. Then there's this one statement. Four words. I wept for three days. Twenty years as a priest, and I never got this. Until they went to Blue Jean. I prayed a lot for spirit of wisdom and revelation. He said, by the sweat of your face, you'll toil. You shall eat bread. The Hebrew word there is lechem. Do you know what lechem is? Get ready, just because your mind's going to go. Lechem. Panhinim. You shall. Or no, you will eat bread. So it's a promise and it's a command. So it's a promise and it's a command. And whenever God gives a command, guess what's with the command? An anointing. If God tells you to do something, he anoints what he tells you to do. Because that's the only way you're able to do it. Because it's always, always about him. It's not about us. Here's a word that you really need to get deep in your spirit. Christological center. Christ-centered. Whenever we find God moving, God saying, you shall jump up and down for joy and grab onto the anointing. Move to Selma, Alabama. God, you're nuts, but I'm going anyway. And it got me right here. In the middle of a run. Going to that church. Tell them I'm sending revival through them. And more than revival, reformation. Because this word is going deep into the ground here. And it's going to reverberate over the, over the border. It's going to run into the churches because Holy Spirit has had enough. 
He wants, it's better that I go. The Holy Spirit will teach you and he'll remind you of those things that I have spoken. This is a reminder. God is wanting to whip us up so we can go deeper. Do I understand it all? No, but it doesn't matter. It's called faith. And faith says, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to keep going. I don't know what I'm doing in Alabama, but I'm going to go preach in a tent. And now I'm doing tent meetings in Reading, Pennsylvania. Because God says you're released from Selma because you learned what I wanted you to learn. And I said, what's that, Lord? He said, now you can do tent revival meetings. You know how to do them. <laughs> My black brothers and sisters think you're crazy and that's good. <laughs> the whitest black preacher that ever existed in Selma, Alabama. And they keep having me back. I'm going with Dr. Mike the end of April. My good best friend, David Perry. You will eat the bread of presence. They hid himself from presence, and God said, okay, no problem. You're going to eat the bread of presence. You can't run, and you can't hide. Because you're my pleasure. You're my fruitfulness. You're my bursting forth. You're my gushing over. You're my everything. I love you. And I'm going to give you a meal of the kingdom. A place of encounter. Where it doesn't matter what you think or what you feel. Because when... Those words were said by Jesus. It was a continuum that ran through eternity. This is my body. This is my blood. Nothing else needs to be said. You will eat lachem. And so, through Adam, through Noah, we get to Abraham. Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna go. Poof. It poofed me too. I'm only sharing what Holy Spirit showed me, and I'm so thankful to this apostolic team for hearing the voice of God. Because what we're doing, Light City Church is Messiah come forth. God wants us doing everything that God initiated. And so it's, you know, Pastor Tina play, prayed beforehand, it's a great prayer. My burden is easy and light. So this is not hard. Here's what's hard. Diminishing attitudes that we all like to carry around. Like Pastor Ian said, a uh, guy's driving a, like a Ferrari, oh, he must be a drug dealer. <laughs> right? So, like, I say it all the time. Mark, stop it. 
Stop it. When that thought comes in, stop it. Second Corinthians 10, 5, take, con- take captive every thought to who? Christ Jesus. Because he's the only person who counts. God's promise to Abram. So Abram heard that a relative had been taken captive. So he let out 318 men. He captured back Lot and all of his possessions and all of his family. Then an amazing thing transpires. God shows up. And Melchizedek, you know who Melchizedek is? He's Jesus. See, Abram, who God changed his name to Abraham, when he changed his name to Abraham, he added the A-H, which means the breath of God. He said, as we heard on Sunday, I'm gonna make you a multitude, a father of a multitude of nations. And so he has an encounter here with Melchizedek. And Melchizedek comes out. And it says in verse 18 of Genesis 14, it says that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out what? Bread and wine. You know what the word there for bread is? Lachem. Actually, here it's translated the bread of faces. Whose face? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We have a Trinitarian encounter here in bread, lechem, and wine. Sorry, it's not grape juice. It's wine. There only was wine in the Old Testament. But you know what? A religious spirit. We can't, we can't do that. Brought out bread and wine and he blessed him. He said, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. So all those people that like to argue about tithing, they don't get this scripture because they've never gone into the Old Testament. Whose blessings are we under now because of Jesus? Abraham. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. So tithing became an eternal principle. We're under the blessing of Abraham, grafted in by the blood of Jesus. Tithing is not optional. Not an option. You want the blessings of Abraham? Tithe. What's it called? Well, I'm doing it to get something. No, it's called obedience. And when we obey, there's an anointing that is released. You shall. Bread and wine. So what does that mean? 
the father of multitude of nations. We've been grafted in. We're now a royal priesthood. So guess what is not optional? With communion with Jesus, in relationship with Jesus, what's not optional is Lahem. We've been grafted in. If it was good enough for Abraham, the breath of God added to his name, then it's got to be good enough for us. So just, if any of this is making you shake, go see Jenny. Get free. Galatians 5.1 For Christ Jesus you've been set free. No longer to come under any bondage of slavery. So I don't care what denominations say. I went way outside my denomination and going and preaching this message at Blue Jean for five years. They didn't like it because they weren't quite good enough. And I said, well, I see Jesus and I'm going. So kick me out. They never did. Lahem. All the way through, Moses. We get a clue. And I'm going to close with this. We get a clue about the thorns. From who? Stephen, Acts 7. Because he recounts the thorn bush when he's giving a sermon of his lifetime only to get killed, martyred. And he refers to the thorn bush. And then we have Moses in an encounter, turns aside to see a bush on fire, a thorn bush. And the thorn bush that was burning but not being consumed was an acacia bush. An acacia bush is covered in thorns. Covered in thorns. Do you know the Ark of the Covenant, which carried the presence of God? You know what it was made out of? Acacia wood. You know what is overlaid in? Gold. And so God was prophetically declaring, I'm going to come into the midst of their thorns. I'm going to take on their, their sins. I'm going to take on the thorns and I'm going to overlay it all with gold. And you know it was in the Ark of the Covenant? A budded rod. A sign of delegated authority. You have delegated authority here from God. You had two tablets of stones. It was the law that Jesus fulfilled. And you had manna, lehem. The bread of angels. So we'll stop there. I'm just getting warmed up. So come back next Wednesday.
And where we're going to start off is in a prophetic, absolute convergence of three dynamics. Lehem, the tabernacle, and, and the incarnation. Here's a teaser. The burning bush that was not consumed. Jesus came to save, not to consume. That's why the bush never burned up. It was an acacia bush that was on fire. The reason why the bush never burned up is because the thorns hadn't been placed somewhere yet. And the bush that wasn't consumed because Jesus says, you can read it, he said, I came to deliver my nation. It's a prophetic sign that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Passion Week, it's all about it. God became flesh, the incarnation, a mystery. Hallelujah. And so I bless what you've heard. I seal it in your hearts in the name of Jesus and that we'll come back and discover the rest. Yeah, and I'll pray, and yes, and I'll pray, yes, amen. And uh, next week we'll get into it and we'll finish it off. And hopefully by then, I know I will be. Pastor Tina asked me, she said, do you want to do communion? I said, no, I want to get really hungry. Because we're going to tear some bread. We're going to tear the body of Jesus. You see, when you, when you get away from the sterility of Christianity, and wafers and little cups. I know, wafers and cups. But it's, but it's the same thing. If you have it here, it gets translated to here. But there's something in the tearing of bread. It's a tearing of the flesh. And our common cup, our common union. So I'm not saying you have to do it this way. I'm just saying it's what I do. Just because I do it doesn't mean it's the right way. Is that nice? <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, amen. Amen. So anyway, I, I think, you know, part of what is just, because God's done this stuff with me. It's just getting rid of junk, you know, because we all got junk. I mean, uh, do I have, do we want more? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we want more. We want more, so you know what? I want junk out, God in. All of God. Like I said, it. you know, it says in Revelation, seven spirits of God, I want eight, if there's eight. I want nine. Why not? Is God ever gonna do anything to you to harm you? No, never. So I bless, so yeah, Rosemary and I would love to minister and just, bless what you've heard and if there's stuff making you shake in your soul i'm sorry but he said it i'm just repeating it we love it we love it we want it okay